I come to you in the name of our mighty and precious Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock, our Savior, our salvation, the one who calls us to love. Amen. Amen. As Reverend Lisa said, this is not my first rodeo here at Richmond Hill. I've been here quite a bit. I first was sent here to discern the call and left here saying, okay, I'm going to keep on doing the same thing I've been doing. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Six years after that, I was sent back again to sit with things here at Richmond Hill, and I was assigned the Mary Magdalene room. My name, Marlene, is a derivative of Magdalene. So, okay, Lord, I, I, I hear you a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Jo- you know, that Jonah spirit keep running and running. I'm not going to Nineveh. Okay, I got you. And I went out into the garden, and I saw the Black Madonna and her child. Okay, Lord, I hear you. And Vicki's here. She knows I've told this story. I took off my shoes in that space. And that's when I knew that God was calling me to something bigger than myself. And so Richmond Hill is me. (laughs) Richmond Hill has formed me in, in ways that I didn't know Richmond Hill had formed me. So I take preacher privilege tonight and thank you all for allowing me to be part of this Richmond Hill family. But this evening we encounter the 13th chapter of John's Gospel that commands us to love. Living in this world that we are in now, it's kind of hard sometimes. Hard to love our families. Hard to love ourselves, hard to love each other when we see so many ugly things happening in our world. And our world is so very broken and unfinished. But in verses 34 and 35 of the gospel, we are summoned into a life as Christians. And it pushes us to center our lives in love, that thing that isn't always real easy to do. It's a remarkable passage, I think, in John, where Jesus tells his friends and his companions on the journey that where he is going, y'all can't go. You just can't go. But I'm going to leave you with a commandment, and that is to love. That word love both can be used as a noun and a verb. And in these two short passages, it's repeated four times. Two verses. Four times we hear the word love. I don't think there's a way that we can escape the theme of these verses. Something both beautiful and heartbreaking is unfolding here. Christ lays his heart bare to his friends as he says to them, little children, I'm only here with you for a little while longer. You're going to look for me. I'm not going to be around. I'm going to be gone. And they realize they just can't go with Jesus. Our brother Jesus urges them to love as he loves, to love one another, and that by the love that they show for others, others will know that they are followers of Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, our relationship with God, the Holy One, and each other must push us in powerful ways to be more like Jesus. Remembering that the source of all this love is God who is mother and father. And in essence is the love that surrounds us. When we truly hear God and realize the deep and passionate love that God has for each and every one of us, it can force us to our knees. Our souls and our bodies fall down before the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus often uses an enduring metaphor, abide in my love, stay, remain with, live in my love. The verb meno in Greek, abide in English, has this continuing connotation. This is not a short-lived experience. This is a lifelong thing that we've got to learn how to do, to abide in love, in God's love. This love that ain't real easy to do. Love is an action. Love and action are interconnected, bound up together. When we love like Jesus, then we will want to follow the commands of God. When we love like Jesus, we will want to show it. Not because we have to, but because we want to. But because we desire it deep in our souls. I don't care what we hear about love. Love is not blind. Love sees everything. Everything. Love isn't ignorant of the facts. Love knows all the ugly bits of who we are and where we're going and what we've done. Real love is love that continues despite those facts. Real love finds the way to move on despite our failures and our disappointments and our hurts and our challenges and the messy bits of who we are. Does all this talk about love sound a little too simple? It may be. It may be simple, but it's not easy. Loving God can be easy, though, because God first loved us. And if God first loved us, then that love is perfect, and we can make it perfect in our lives. Loving someone else, a member of our family, a member of God's family, after all, is much more difficult. We may be the best of friends, but we are human with all our unique and sinful nature of expectations and judgments and lack of understanding and patience and frustrations and feelings getting hurt. It may find that we don't love like Jesus because all of that stuff tends to get in the way of what real and true love is all about. God is the transforming power within God's family. As a community of faith, we are called to be a family gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we find ways to love each other even when we don't want to. Our joy increases and becomes more complete when we find those ways to love each other even when we don't want to. 
Loving our neighbor, our brothers and sisters is a long-term commitment. It requires us to take one step at a time. It takes the reality that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. In the life of a believing Christian, that is the greatest day of our lives. That it is the time and place when God's unconditional love reached out on the hardwood of the cross to touch us. One of my favorite books is by Toni Morrison, The Origin of Others. In Morrison's book, she discusses belonging and who fits under this great big umbrella of society and who doesn't. She speaks of living as an other and how it is an existence beyond the border of the great belonging. This place where many of our siblings are living because we, society, have decided not to love them like God and make them the other. Being part of but standing on the border, looking in as if we don't belong, fitting in maybe, but not really having a sense of belonging. Morrison explores the concept of othering as it is seen throughout history. This othering is to treat or consider a person or a group of people as alien to oneself or one's group, as because of different racial, sexual, religious, or cultural characteristics. We see it all through history as those at the so-called top of the power structure treat or consider those who are different, alien, unlovable, and other. Now Jesus throughout his ministry was dedicated to love and dedicated to welcome of all, no matter what. He never saw anyone as the other. He was, in fact, the other. He reached out to young and old, rich and poor, well and ill. His destiny was so very different, and many didn't understand it. And they, in the short view, only saw Joseph's son. You know, that kid from Nazareth, the one who was different, you know, the one who loved to go to synagogue? Who wants to go to synagogue? Who wants to go to temple? He's just the carpenter's son. He's the other. I find that in these continued uncertain and crazy times that we are living in on our country of mass shootings because of one's religion or race and a continuous disregard for the dignity of God's beloved that we often forget about the lesson of the other. We divide ourselves. We divide by such things as sexual orientation or ethnic background, political or religious beliefs. But the question we may need to ask ourselves is, do we love in all the ways that Jesus loves? Or do we love ourselves the way Jesus loves us? Do we love those parts of us that have changed over the years? Do we love those parts of us that annoy us? Do we love the messy bits of who we are and those of others? Do we love the parts that do things differently than we would like them to do it? The way that we love ourselves is a direct correlation to how we love our siblings who, like us, are part of the body of Christ. God is calling us to come together, 
our many and varied parts and to love those parts as God calls us into radical relationship, even when those parts are different and annoy us and get on our nerves. Those parts that may be rough and jagged, those parts that rub us the wrong way, the parts of the body of Christ that just downright work our last nerve. What can we do to make the body work as God intended and not pit one part against another, dividing the body into many fragmented pieces? How are we making those parts of the body of Christ feel unwelcome in the very places that they call home? Well, I believe that in this fraught time in our country, our state, in our community, and in our world, we must look at the example of Jesus as he is seen as the other. We come to a point where we divide ourselves by how we stand, by how we kneel, and how we walk. There were many times that Jesus stood, many times that Jesus knelt, and many times that Jesus walked for those that were members of the body but that were set apart as the other. Jesus took a stand for the good of the body as he stood with the woman at the well and gave her living water. He stood with the woman with the issue of blood and her faith made her whole. He stood at the tomb of his brother Lazarus and he raised him from the dead. And surely he stood as he turned over the tables of the money changers in the temple. He stood and he took a stand for the good of the body and he drew those who were seen as others into the body. For the good of the body, Jesus also knelt. He knelt and prayed early in the morning before heading to Galilee. He knelt to pray on the mountainside and he knelt in the garden of Gethsemane when he asked the father to take this cup from him. And he knelt as he fell three times on his way to Golgotha. And he knelt for the good of the body to draw those who were seen as other into the body. And for the good of the body, Jesus also walked. Jesus walked on the water to teach Peter about faith. And he walked in the wilderness to become closer to God. And he walked as he set his face towards Jerusalem. And he walked when he went to Calvary to pay for all of our sins. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is the other who, for the good of the body, took on all of our burdens so that we can belong to the body and not be seen as the other, but as a precious and beloved child of God. Jesus, the other, is every one of us, and we too are the other. Not only does Jesus stand and kneel and walk for us, but he loves each and every one of us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine or even deserve. And all our brother Jesus asks us to do is to do the same for the other, to be in radical relationship with others as we stand and kneel and walk for the good of the body and we love unconditionally. So today, my friends, I challenge us to live a life that seeks to serve Christ in all people, loving our neighbors as ourselves and striving for justice and peace 
among all in respecting the dignity of every human being. I challenge us to take a long, long look in the mirror and find the other in us and extend love, grace, and mercy as we embrace the other in us and we gather up those who feel like the other and we reach out in radical relationship and love each other as God loves us. God longs for us to be in community, in a community of love in which we are reconciled as the body and in communion with God, with each other, and with all creation. And I also challenge us to extend that same love and grace and mercy that God extends to us and to the other, who we call our brothers and sisters, to those who may rub us the wrong way. Today, I prayed for the perpetrator who killed all those people. I prayed for our brothers and sisters in New York and his family. I prayed for the man who shot the folks in the church because he needs prayer and so does his family. They need to be loved just like the perpetrators need to be loved. When our hearts are pointed in the direction of God, it's never difficult to see and to feel the Holy One's love, a love that's unconditional and allows us to see others and ourselves as we really, really are. It is a beautiful expression of God. We must realize that we're all connected and the only thing that makes sense is love. Jesus wants us as part of the body. He wants us to attach ourselves to him and abide in God and God abide in us. And when we're able to do this, it lets us see the divine in each and every one of us. And it makes it just a little bit easier to love what God created and said was good. When we fall in love with Jesus as he loves us and follow his example, then loving others is so much easier. When we love beyond limits like Jesus in radical ways, others see how love looks and learn from us and how to love fiercely and passionately and deeply like Jesus. Jesus the other. Jesus the immigrant. Jesus the one who may not have looked like everybody else. Jesus, the one who probably prayed a little differently than those that were sitting in the synagogue. Jesus, who, like me, likes to take off his shoes and walk around. Jesus, the one who was the other. Jesus, the one with the possibly teenage mama and the stepdaddy. Jesus, the one who rode on the back of a donkey. Jesus, the one who ate with prostitutes and tax collectors and those who others didn't dare to go into the alleys to see. Jesus, the other, is us. And so this day, let us pray that we are able to see others and ourselves as the Lord sees us. We thank our God this day for fresh grace, 
and a life full of promise because we're able to love just a little differently today than we did yesterday. May God lead us in ways that allow us to walk and stand and kneel for the other and fill our hearts with God's love, God's joy, God's grace, God's peace, and that we are able to make this world just a little bit closer to the dream that God has for it. Amen. Amen.